So we're doing a Voyager episode this week, and Kim and I are now on to season four of Voyager. I can't remember if we've talked about that on the show before or not, but we are into the, the seven of nine years now. Mm, yeah. Yeah, Kim, Kim likes sevens. I, I was happy about that. I was a little bit afraid that she wouldn't, not because I thought she wouldn't like her, but just because I was just afraid that, like, she she's not a big uh, Kess fan, and I've kind of been like, I like Kess fine, but I'm, I'm also like, oh, yeah, but Seven's so good. Like, it, you know, I think yeah. you'll be in that. But she does like Seven because Jerry Ryan's good. Although she does hate her her costume, which I'm like, yeah, I mean, I get it. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> it is a little, they're not even really like trying to pretend anymore what this character's on the show for. Which is, again, un, it's unfortunate that, because I feel like because of the costume, that was kind of the impression of like, there's only one reason that this character was brought onto the show when in fact, like Jerry Ryan is actually like quite good at acting and one of the, yeah, like, one plays of the a really good character. On the show. Yeah. I'm trying to look at how far we are in now. Yeah. We just, not that long ago, we watched a uh, day of honor. The one we watched for the show where Bellana is trying to have a day of honor and she keeps having a bad day. And that's when, when she and Tom Paris, like admit they love each oh, other as they're yeah. about to die. Oh yeah. We just, um, we just watched, Year of Hell, the, the two-part Year of Hell episode. Oh, okay. Which, I feel like I remember that one being pretty good. That's one it, of the ones with like, time travel shenanigans, right? Yeah. Is that the one with Red from that 70s show? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, it's good. It's interesting because, first of all, like this, it's, it's the highest rated Discovery episode on the Hollywood Reporter's list of the 100 best Star Trek episodes ever. which is Voyager. Before. Yeah, sorry, it's the highest Voyager episode, yeah. This is released, like, before the, the new shows, like, the Discovery era. But, like, and it's, like, number 25 or something. I can't remember. It's, but And that's the highest that they've got. They go with a Voyager. And that, that list is kind of, like, down on Voyager as a whole. But I, I do not think it's the best episode of Voyager that I've seen, like, by any stretch. Like, it was like, oh, this is, yeah. like, solid. But, like, there's some really, really good ones. Like, I would say it's not as good as the one I think I texted you about that happened right before that one, which is where all the crew has, like, they're, they're sick and they don't know why. And oh. it turns out there's a bunch of invisible aliens that are conducting, like, tests on them. And there's, like, that great scene where, like, uh, Janeway has had, like, a really bad headache for, like, the, the last, like, two weeks. And then, like, Seven, like, has this, has, like, altered her, like, vision so she can, like, see these people. And so she looks at the captain and the captain's got, like, these giant, like, spikes sticking out of her head. Like, it's... <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, I wouldn't say the best episode, but it, but it, but good. Uh, one thing, though, that was kind of weird about it is that... I mean, maybe we shouldn't talk about this for, like, whenever we talk about the Year of Hell later on, but, like... There is an episode, a good episode in season three. It's like one of the last Kess-centric episodes where Kess gets unstuck in time and basically like wakes up. Yeah. Like like at the end of her life and then has, and then she's kind of like is living her life backwards. And um, she actually. Yeah. They reference like, like, so there's like a like past for Kess, but still future in terms of the show, right? Where they, like, they're yeah. talking about, like, we just, like, made it through the Year of Hell. Or, like, they talk about, like, all the people that died during the Year of Hell. Yeah, they talk about the Year of Hell, and they talk about how, um, uh, like, Janeway and Taurus both died in the Year of Hell, which obviously, like, Janeway does die, kind of, at the end of the second Year of Hell, when she she crashes the ship into the time ship to, to like, reset the timeline, which was, like, rad. Like, that was, like, the best part of the whole thing. I think it's just her just, like, kamikaze the, sh- the Voyager into a, yeah. 
into a ship. But um, but yeah, I was like, oh, they should have. They don't. They don't mention that though when they when they actually do the year of hell episode. Which is like, it's cool that they set it up, but then like it would have been cooler if they would have been like, oh, Kess talked to us about yeah. this and like tried to like change some of their their behavior to accommodate for that. But yeah, because instead it just comes across like, oh wow, Voyager has like in two completely different like twice had a thing that they called the year of hell like they've had two years that have been so bad that they called it the year of hell that were completely different but and neither actually happened i think it's anyway it's 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 in a weird way like a good uh for me anyway a good a good like summation of like how voyager works which is like you're getting you're you're hitting you're hitting doubles and you you kind of want them to be hitting like homers you know but like it's like good 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 effort and like a little bit more follow through maybe you know uh oh shoot i where's my kazoo hi everybody and welcome to out of contracts the show where two guys who have seen part of star trek try to watch all of it in no particular order i'm ryan howard and i'm brady jungle and today we are talking about Sacred Ground, which is Voyager Season 3, Episode 7. Now, despite what I was just saying about how uh, we're watching... <laughs> I was going to make a comment. Of like they, they sometimes hit doubles. <laughs> well, no, I was actually going to say, despite what I was saying about watching Season... Just finishing... Season, starting to watch Season oh, yeah. 4, we actually knew we were going to be recording this one uh, because we, we do the random number generator thing about like five months out. So we knew we were going to be recording this one a while ago, and so I we skipped it. Kim and I skipped this one when we watched. Oh, um, when you're going through th- through the episode. So okay. this is the first time I've seen this one, even though, even though uh, we had technically been past this point on the show. So, yes, and you're right. This so this one is like if we're talking basal metaphors, I would say this one is, uh, I don't know, like, <laughs> like a sack bunt. <laughs> yeah, or so, yeah, Maybe I, not I'm even trying that, to think of like, like further. What's like the else? most like. What's like the most boring play in baseball? It's like a balk. this is like a yeah, balk or like reaching first on an error or it's a, it's an intention it's an intentional walk is what it yeah, is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. Um uh so this episode is uh written by Lisa Clink and Geo Cameron and it's directed by uh Robert Duncan McNeil. And I do feel a little bad for ripping this episode because I believe Geo Cameron is not a staff writer. I believe that this, this is one of those times where one of the they did this sometimes on the '90s Star Trek shows where they would hire a uh, oh just someone that's like an like, author just or like a, like a that. spec script basically yeah because I'm looking at, at Geo Geo Cameron on I'm reading her bio on Memory Alpha I'm like okay well yeah this tracks it makes this an episode, episode like this makes sense. yeah it's like Geo Cameron this is the, I'll read you the whole piece because there it's like three sentences. Mm-hmm. Or four senses. Geo Cameron was the name under which Dr. Geo Athena Trevorthan uh, wrote the story for the Star Trek Voyager third season episode, Sacred Ground. Cameron used this episode to convey spiritual messages. Cameron describes herself as a hereditary shaman priestess. I don't know what that means, but uh, maybe that's what the, um, the her little spirit guide was in this episode, was a hereditary shaman priestess. She lives in Scotland and is married to archaeologist David Trevarthan. She also works as an illustrator, graphic artist, and author, creates spiritual ob- ritual objects and jewelry, and is teaching and guiding as a spiritual counselor and holistic life coach. So, um, you know... Yeah, no, so that. No, no shade to... Provides context for the episode. 
Yeah. Without, no presented her, without uh, comment. Yeah, to, to her profession. But I do think that it's like, okay, yeah. Like, it does... I could see the person who fits that description writing this episode. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> so I think Lisa Klink was an actual, like, staff writer. I'm pretty sure I've seen the name before for on the show. So the memory alpha description for this one is... Kess is injured when she accidentally commits sacrilege on an alien planet. In order to save her life, Jamie must go through a mysterious ritual that challenges her faith in science. Now, um, it's kind of funny because uh, Kim and I, you know, not that long ago finished up DS9. And Kim's least favorite part of DS9 probably was, or one of her least favorite parts, was whenever they would do episodes about the prophets. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna make a comment that like this really feels like a sort of like dollar store version of the prophets. Right. Yeah. It really does. And, and I think the thing that that for me like makes the prophets work okay sometimes is that like there is like a an ambiguity there about like what they are and if they're right. And it seems like it, at the at the very least like there is some kind of like a scientific analogy there where it's like nobody denies that they're a thing but like for a lot of people they are wormhole aliens you know and like it's yeah it's like almost like in thor where it's like we're not you we don't use magic we just have like the science that like is indistinguishable from magic basically yeah this was just kind of more like what if magic is real (laughs) like it's 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 weird it's like it's like it's like the closest we've come to um to the the episode with Lucian, you know, in a live action, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but less less fun though. Yeah, I agree because yeah, I think like the best use of the prophets is we I forget which episode it was we watched, but there's a conversation between I think between Weiyun and maybe Ducat when Ducat's doing his like weird pirate stuff, and mm-hmm. like they're talking about how you know like oh how stupid these Bajorans are that like clearly these are just aliens but they believe that they're gods and then you know whoever it is says to way and like well how is that any different from you treating the the changelings like they're gods and he says well that's different because because they are gods yeah that like is such a (laughs) great like scene that kind of i feel like sums up and yeah Yeah, i feel like deep space nine i think definitely does sort of touch on that more often with like the prophets in that of like yeah you know, it really is kind of just up to each individual, like, what they believe in terms of what is, like, supernatural versus just science that we don't completely understand yet. Yeah. And I, I don't I don't want this to become, like... I know we were very pro-Voyager at the beginning of this podcast, and I feel like I've, I've maybe a little bit softened my stance there a, l- a little bit over time yeah. but i i still like voyager and I, I don't want it to become an anti-voyager episode was so i don't i don't mean this in a wholly negative way but like it, it's just like voyager is not like operating at that level of like thematic consistency and care you know so it's just like they're gonna like we're gonna like dip yeah. our toes in this and see what happens let's try a spiritual one yeah yeah um, and I can't remember if I said this, but this episode is directed by Robert Duncan McNeil, which you can tell because like he's got I don't even know if he has any speaking lines in this in this uh, episode. So um, he's in it. Very yeah, little. which I think is pretty common when cast members. Not, I guess not always, but a yeah. lot of time when cast members direct, their character doesn't appear as much, so that they have kind of more are able to spend more of their focus on the direction. Yeah. I would say the exception to that is that there's a couple of episodes of DS9 that are directed by Avery Brooks, where Avery Brooks is the star of the episode. So nice. uh, every now and then that's not the case. Hey, but I mean, get it. Yeah. If you, 
Yeah, yeah. He directs one of the episodes that are take place in that like, like the alternate sixties past. Um, uh, oh yeah, sure directs, I think like, the I main think he one did or direct not, but... the one. Yeah, where like he's a a writer that's a writing writer. a science fiction TV show about a black yeah. man that's the captain of a star station. Yeah, and he's he's absolutely the star of those episodes. Like they're about like that guy. So anyway, love that for him. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so this is not, that's not what we're talking about today. Though. Not, no more DS9 talk. Um, so yeah, we are talking about the, we're talking about the episode that starts with Kess vandalizing a church. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah. Why don't you take it? Why don't you I, take I was a little because like when this episode started, kind of my first thought was along the lines of like, oh, this will be like I don't think we've had a really like Kess centric like an episode that's really featured Kess much and like that'll be good to to like really see some Kess and then she just spent the whole episode unconscious but yeah I, I, I felt bad for her like it reminded me of when we watched that episode where that weird scorpion thing is like stuck on Taurus the whole time oh yeah and we, re- we read on Memory Alpha that she hated filming that episode because she just had to lie in the sick bay with like that big rubber thing over her head yeah like, she essentially like functioned episode. as a prop yeah, yeah. She didn't get that cool scene at the end though, where she gets really mad at 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 Janeway, um, at Janeway which which yeah. has no such equivalent here, unfortunately. But. Yeah, that scene I thought was like well acted. Yeah, this one just has Kess kind of being like, "Wow, that's a fascinating story, Captain uh, Janeway." Okay. So before we talk about the actual episode, I, we're talking about her lying around. So I, ha- I have to say this, and I, I will send you a picture. Or I'll pro- I, what I'll probably do is if I really if I remember, I will use this image as the episode image. But as you said, there's a lot of uh, scenes of Kes just lying unconscious in sickbay. And Kes, uh, Kes's haircut at this point is like her kind of, what would you call it? Like, what, what is that hairstyle? But it's like, it's, it's cut short. It looks very much like, yeah, like, it's like the a, short haircut. I'd call that like, like a pixie cut probably, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, it's very similar to like the haircut that like Emma Watson had for many years when she was had short hair. And, and the way that it's shot, there's a lot of like, the doctor talking to Neelix and like, they'll be like framed where it's like they're on either side of her bed and they're talking to each other. And there's a bunch of shots that for whatever reason, uh, for Robert Duncan McNeil decides to frame where like the kind of the back of the operating theater, which is where we usually see like that is behind the camera. And then it's shooting out to the rest of sick bay. And so that means that Kess's head is toward the camera. And you can't actually see the rest of her body. You just see her head. And she's got, like, this short haircut. And, like, there are a couple of shots in this episode where, like, truly it just looks like there's a triple sitting on the operating table. <laughs> like, it oh. looks exactly like a triple. <laughs> like, her, the top of her head just looks like a triple sitting there on the, on the operating table while, while, like, you know, the doctor and, and Neelix are having this serious discussions about, like, whether or not she's going to survive. Like, oh. <laughs> it's, really, it's really funny. <laughs> I'll I'll find a picture of it and send it to you later. But, um, um, so yeah, why don't you take us into yeah, uh, I guess to start. This episode's about. Um, so the the episode starts. They're they're visiting a a planet that has this kind of cave system where they have these various like shrines to their kind of the spirits of their elders and their ancestors, and there are these monks that are going back and forth, and they're just sort of kind of walking around and like talking with these people and exploring and Kess and Neelix sort of go off exploring on them on their own. And Kess comes into this room with this big shrine with a, like maybe it's just cause I was watching it 
at night and so like around my screen was dark but like the light seemed real like intrusively bright yeah it seems like there's there's something weird like glowing inside of the shrine yeah Um, but it just like it like is almost painfully bright every time it's like in the background Um, yeah maybe that was just my screen or something but yeah she comes into this uh this shrine and walks up to it and then gets zapped by some sort of energy and falls unconscious and and are are you on her side at this point (laughs) because i was like why are you going off and like why are you in the vatican and getting a tour of the vatican and then like you go somewhere else yeah like like, i wonder what's what's like behind this door yeah. yeah, and and I think even like once he once the 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 guy who was leading them around comes up, he says something like, "Oh, I said you guys should stay by me or something." She just she just kind of like decides to go off and like touch a t- and touch like a religious shrine that she doesn't know like what like she, she it just it just seemed like a very like dumb thing for her to do and very disrespectful. But then like when obviously I'm not saying that like that that Taurus and and Harry and Neelix shouldn't be concerned about her but then they almost seem like very mad at the at the people who are there for which i guess like maybe you know say like don't touch you know i guess if if, if you yeah. have like the ark of the cover and you're like and you don't, don't tell someone don't, don't open don't that box this. over there <laughs> yeah right but but at the same time it's like he did say like stick with me and, and like so i told kim it was like the beginning of this episode really reads like you were taking a tour of a church and you decided to like ring the church bell really really hard uh after they told you not to and the church bell fell on you and you got mad at the church you know what i mean like, yeah like i was like and they're and they're and they're not even really being yeah they do get kind of like, angry well, like how could you let this happen to her and it's just like well none of us were there you you she let it just happen to yourself <laughs> yeah and then they're like well she's gonna die now and they're like well wh- what are you talking about and they're like when they're like they're not like mad at her they're just like no yeah, I mean, like, that's, that's just what happens what when you happens. touch a thing is you die yeah. like <laughs> yeah and it really starts the episode off on a weird foot because like then the same thing kind of happens later with with Janeway where she's getting really mad at this guy who who is I think being pretty nice to her and he's like look I'm not saying that we want her to die I'm just saying that she is she will die and I'm sorry about that like but yeah, but There's that is we just can like, do about it. Has, is what like, happens, yeah. And she, she's just like, well, well, well why? Like, what, what is, and she's just How like, that's dare just. dare you. Yeah, like, it's, it's, everyone seems very mad at people, and I'm like, I'm kind of like, I don't really, it seems like there, there probably is some blame to spread around, but I would say the primary person to blame for this is Kess. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I feel like she has not been, like, unfairly wronged, for sure. Right. Um. So that's that's kind of the the setup for it, and so they take her back to sick bay, and there's I forget what they keep calling it, but there's like some various like technological jargon that they describe, like you know this thing has happened to her, and she's in this comatose state, and they can't make her better, and kind of like eventually it's going to kill her. Yeah, because she has really uh, she says she has she has neuroleptic shock, but she has really really low brain activity. I think yeah. that's what they they say a few times. And so they kind of like investigate and talk to the the leader of these people to try to figure out what can be done. And and eventually, what they kind of come across is that there's this legend from these people's past of this. I think he was like a king or something. But there's a man who his son the same thing had happened had like kind of like wandered into this room and gotten shocked was dying and the king supplicated the ancestral spirits 
Um, the prophets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, like, heal his son, and they did, and his son got better. And so what all the Voyager people... And I think this is... There's kind of, like, one interesting thought in this episode that they really tried to go with and never quite hit, but... And it is kind of that thing that you've talked about with the prophets, where they kind of hear this story, and to these people, that's like a religious kind of legend of like, you know, there was this man, he like prayed to the gods, and the gods gave him this thing. And Voyager kind of tries to come up with some science to rationalize all that, of just like, well, so there must be something in like wherever you go to supplicate the gods that like can be used as an antidote to whatever this like sciencey thing that's going on is. And so Janeway is like, well, fine, I will like make that, that journey and sort of do, you know, whatever rituals they tell me to do. And then they put this little like scanner on her. That's kind of collecting data as she's doing all these rituals to see like, if there's any change that happens that they can use to heal Kess. Um, I think the other thing with that is that why they hope that will work is because the the monks that have gone through the ritual can go in and out of this this room, like go into the shrine without being shocked. Yeah. And so they think like, oh, well, something must happen during the ritual that like provides an immunity that then we can kind of reverse engineer to be an antidote. And so the rest of the episode, or most of the episode then is, is Janeway kind of goes into these caverns and meets with this guide and is like, okay, I want to do all these rituals. And they kind of montage a little bit of like her going around and, you know, she sits in a room and like, she holds up a thing and, and she gets buried in a, in like a, a sarcophagus. Yeah. Um, for three days or something like that. And then wakes up. I, I never read my notes for this episode, but one of the things I did write, so one, the first thing she does, she goes into a room and she talks to these old people yeah, and, and they just say, say, like, oh, like, we're here and we're waiting. And won't you, like, sit and wait with us? And she gets real impatient and is just like, no, I need to go through the rituals. And, like, knocks on the door and, like, let me out. And, like, wants to, like, keep going. And so there's, there's two men and a woman in there. And did you recognize any of their voices? I felt like they sounded kind of familiar, but I didn't specifically... Like, I couldn't pin down... I forget, I think... Yeah, I think the like the woman I thought sounded kind of familiar, but she may have just had like a like general like kindly old woman voice. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I felt like one of the men, like the one with like the sort of more like narrow face also sounded familiar, but I couldn't pin down who it was. That's funny cuz the other the other man is the one who I immediately recognized his voice and this is we're going to take a just a very brief dive into like Ryan and Brady shared uh, childhood um, experiences. Uh, so the the old man on the the right, his name is Parley Edward Bear, and I heard his voice and I was like, oh, I know this guy, and I was like, I'm pretty sure I do from Adventures in Odyssey, and he, I was right. Okay, yeah. And, and he doesn't play like any like big character, but he's he's like a guy they use a lot for when they would do the Imagination episodes and go back in time to like Bible times. Like, he, oh, if you just need he, like a. Yeah, like I think he played like Hezekiah or something in like the, the one of the Back to Bethlehem episodes or mm-hmm. or things like that. Where yeah, it just he, he has like a he has a very like kind of like 
gravitas, like older gentleman, maybe like a prophet who's been out in the desert for a bit, so like a little little scraggly, but like still with some authority. Like, and I I recognized his voice right away, and I was like, nice. I bet you it's from that. And then yeah, he's in like twenty episodes or something of of Adventures and Odyssey. So. Um, yeah, if you ever watch the episode again, like close your eyes, listen to him, and be like, "Oh yeah, I could see him explaining the biblical plagues to to, to yeah. Jimmy Barkley or something like that." Right. You know, <laughs> and like having having Eugene demand that he call him Eugenius because it's a yeah. Actually, it might be. I think it actually might be that guy. That one. Um, okay. Yeah, it might be. But yeah, anyway, though, just, so that's just a little thing for just you and I. But whenever I spot, and I think that's happened one or two other times, or at least I'm pretty sure it has, where there has been a Dreadful Odyssey person who has popped up on the show, I always yeah. feel like I, I got to tell you. They, so. I mean, they obviously, like, it was a long-running show. They had a lot of actors, but they, like, they had quality voice actors on that show. Yeah. I feel like. The production of that show is really, really good. Um, yeah. I, you know, having, like scrabbled through it you know a, a, a few, like like bits and pieces of it pieces of yeah. it as an adult to try to find ones that i'm okay with my kids listening to because they don't like have messages that are like don't date harmful <laughs> or whatever yeah. like it's a very well made show for sure <laughs> uh but yeah yeah i guess then that is an important one she goes into this room with these with these three people that kind of tell her to wait with them and she and it's the first thing she does and she's like already immediately getting like impatient just like no i must go along with the trials um well it just seems like it's just like a thing where she's like it's like i gotta do this i want to get out of here and then yeah she just kind of needs to like make it through it to get to the yeah like i'm gonna get a reward at the end and so like i'll just like do whatever they tell me to because that's part of the deal it's like when you're playing like an mmo and you have to like collect like five the boar hides or something like that. That's basically how she's right. treating her. It's like, oh, okay, fine. If I do this, then I get like the epic lot loot drop or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, um, yeah. She's very, yeah. She's grinding. She's definitely grinding. Yeah. Um, uh, this episode. This is a bad episode for her in particular. I think. Um, and I, I yeah, I, I remember thinking because again, I generally like a lot of the time. I like Janeway. Oh, she's um, great. Like, and, and, and feel like she like yeah. She like Kate Mulgrew does a much... great job. Like too. Like. And even in this episode, yeah. it's like she's not doing bad. She's doing what's asked of her by a not very good script, in my opinion. You know. But yeah, I think this is this episode was like the most kind of obnoxious I found her character in a lot of Voyager. Yeah. Well, this is um, a bit just a very. I just felt was very annoyed by this episode, and it's entirely. I said my first three notes, and my final note that I wrote for this episode is just this episode is about how both atheists and religious people are annoying. Because like, <laughs> because I get I was going back and forth between when I when I say that I mean like people who like have to talk about that stuff to you or like that's, that's yeah I mean. like like evangelical atheists and religious people because it, it it's just like a back and forth between like because she has like this this spirit guide who is with her uh, who is like yeah her all and Jamie is a real do. jerk to her because Jamie keeps saying like well I don't believe in any of this stuff but I'll do what you tell me yeah yeah like, just, out loud to this person <laughs> and it's like you don't have to say that you can just do it but at the same time like the 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 woman I think is also kind of being annoying where she's just like well look you have to have faith in this thing that you don't understand and have no reason to believe in because you come from like a wholly different planet and like like yeah they're both just kind of like talking about how like so matter of factly about how the other one is just full of crap like and i'm just like this is not fun to watch and, and it just makes me think about like watching 
like people argue about religion on Twitter. Like it, <laughs> it was just like not yeah. not good to watch. <laughs> but then I also think that like the upshot of it too is that then like, I also think that the moral of the story is also very annoying. And it, it, it's like it's very annoying in like the same way that like I really don't like it when like Hollywood movies like make movies about like how important like faith is, but like clearly like they don't they are not religious people at all and so like they don't actually know what they're talking about yeah they're just like well you just have to believe it because that's faith yeah well and we'll get what well, we can get to that like in a second but yeah yeah it, yes i i agree though like she's just being really <laughs> irritated <laughs> like like she but, but both of them are like i was also very irritated by the the other lady who was who she was with um yeah and essentially kind of she goes through it all and gets to the end at some point gets like sticks her hand in a box where it gets like bit by something or injected with something. She, she, she does the ganja bar, uh, at one point. Yes. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Timely. Very good. <laughs> well, um, not, not by the time the episode comes out, but yes. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah. And then eventually like kind of gets to go to the shrine and talks to, the the prophets and they tell her like you know the thing that you need was inside you all along or something like like that and then she's like oh it must and then they go back to the ship and scan her and find some like she's been injected with some chemical or genetic change or something and so they reverse engineer that and give it to Kess and you're like oh great it worked and then it just makes Kess worse and so she goes back to the planet again and finds the spirit guide again and the spirit guide, I think that's the point where they she tells her, like, oh, yeah, like, all those rituals were meaningless. Like, you just did them because you you thought it was what you were supposed to do. And so, like, we made up these rituals that kind of, like, matched your conception of what the, these kinds of rituals should be like. And this this drove me crazy. Because it's like, yes, that is what she did as she should be have been expected to do like like don't get me wrong like she was being rude earlier but like she's trying to save her friend yeah and was still like willing to like like she was coming to these people being like okay like let me do the thing yeah and her crewman is like dying and it's like she did not sign up to be like part of your object lesson about this stuff (laughs) where it's like oh you weren't in this for the right reason it's like yeah of course she wasn't like that's yeah she was always very clear about what her reasons were right yeah it just like if if someone said to me i'd be so angry i'd be like yeah stop screwing around like my my friend's about to die i came here to save her like, how dare you, uh, like, lecture me about not believing in your religion that is, again, I have no reason to believe. Like, not mine, it's, yeah. It, it's not even from, like, like I, I don't... I've never been to this planet before. I'm not the same species as you. Like, it's, yeah, it just, yeah. that drove me nuts. Yeah, and so then the kind of twist is that it, it turns out that those three people that were waiting in the room are actually the ancestral spirits and so you know that she could have avoided all of this if she had just kind of stayed in that room and chatted with them the two men also look like statler and waldorf also i don't know if you, if you got that from them, but <laughs> the, the first that's, when you, that's fair when she first goes in there they don't show you the woman they just show you the two men and then you see the woman later and i, I immediately was like statler and waldorf there they are. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah. jayway's like you're killing my friend, and they're like, "Well, so- nobody's killing on stage tonight." Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so she goes back in there, and then they 
just sort of continue to lecture her some more and tell her like, oh, well, like all you really needed to do was like have faith and believe. So then she basically she takes Kess and goes back to the the shrine that had zapped Kess in the first place. And then it zaps them both again. And basically they say there's some sort of like polarizing reaction where like the chemical that they had gotten from the ritual and put into Kess has to be activated by like the energy from the shrine. And so when they go back to the shrine, they get zapped again and then Kess gets better. And but, but they also t- they tell her that she has to walk through it. That the prophets tell her that she has to walk through it with absolute faith that it will work because if it, if she goes in with any doubt she'll they'll both be killed yeah and then like at the end like the doctor is like kind of like gives this sciencey explanation of just like oh yeah well like the polarizing energy must have activated the chemical and like that's what saved her and Janeway kind of looks into the middle distance and makes something of just like maybe or maybe it was like faith all along yeah um <laughs> and then that's the end <laughs> Ugh, it's it's so like the moral also, I just, like, I don't... There's a way you could do that, I think. And again, I think I think that, like, DS9 has approached this these topics, like, in similarly, and I think a little bit more artfully. Again, no offense to, to Voyager. But, like, there's just not one of those things where I'm just, like... I don't think that, like, the shows need to need to actually follow, like, WWGD. But, like, it's just hard for me to imagine that, like, Gene Roddenberry would ever have an episode where it's just, like... Sometimes you gotta believe in God instead of religion, religion. <laughs> like or it's, it's, instead instead of science. Like, and, and I think that you can. There are shows that can do that, and there are stories that can do that. And again, even even in DS Nine, like you you could make that work. But it's just like it just does not feel like a kind of thing that Star Trek generally is equipped to talk about because it is a show about science and about rationalism and about like figuring things out. And yeah, and like, I think what like the best approach to it is the that again I think was what they were going for and missed is that like that there are kind of two sides of like you can look at this thing and come up with a perfectly scientific explanation for it, but there are also people who like believe that it is a supernatural and it is kind of like okay and valid for them to believe that mm-hmm. and like there's a way to do that and like you kind of leave a little ambiguity about like well what really is the supernatural anyway and you know but yeah i feel i feel like the execution on this one just kind of didn't really feel it just it was just overall an underwhelming episode yeah i I think like too like just i i find that moral to ring so hollow sometimes because like because it's being written by people who don't really have like a lot it doesn't seem like really have a lot of specific conviction about it I don't think that that's wrong that they don't have that, but at the same time, it, it seems like maybe it's hard for them to write an episode that feels really authentic in that regard, because like you have these things that, where it comes up being about like the importance of faith, but because they don't necessarily have like a real specific well to draw on, it's just kind of like yeah, because like faith is important, but like that ignores the faith of the heart. One might even yeah, say. faith of the heart, but but that ignores like the the truth about about faith, which is that most people who have faith, they don't believe that faith is in it of itself like a a positive thing, like like in, in a vacuum. Like the people who believe in something, they believe in the thing that they believe in because they actually believe that that specifically is the truth, you know? So like Yeah, and faith is kind of like 
at some point you have to have some faith to believe in this thing. And yeah. like, yes, it's important to like believe it on faith and like not need for it to be proven to you, but still it's like restricted to kind of that specific thing in which they have faith and sort of the, the worldview that that creates for them and like the, like everything else kind of the meaning that they get from, from that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I would imagine that like if Gio and Lisa went and explained this episode to the, to like the, the, what are the, what are these aliens called? The, the Nachani. And like, if they explain this to them, they'll they be like, well, no, we don't really care. Like, it's not about like just believing is I think it's like, we believe that like these ancestral spirits are literally real and like this is they control like the way the universe works and so it's it's like it, that's yeah not... if you believe something that's that like is wrong that we consider to yeah. be like a wrong belief like it doesn't matter how hard you believe it that's not going to work for you right yeah like we don't like, yeah don't call us noble because we believe in something like call us correct because we believe in the correct thing and so I, I think that's just something that like a lot of like faith discussion misses and i'm not saying that like that doesn't mean you shouldn't be like respectful to those people or, or anything like that because i i do believe in like being respectful no matter what p- people you know what your belief system is and i and i think that like there is um not necessarily a nobility to faith but like there's an ability to like doing what you think is right according to your system of belief like the, i think that that counts for something if you are sincerely mm-hmm. taking action even if it's action i don't 100 percent agree with because you believe that it's the right thing to do like based on like what your your system of morality is but like to describe that that a virtue just because someone believes in something i just think is so totally misses like what faith is about like for anybody who actually has it so that, that just stuff, it rings really, really hollow to me when I see that kind of thing portrayed in, in TV and movies and stuff. Yeah. But um, that's all I had for this episode. Kind of pretty pretty negative take, so I apologize if, if someone loves this episode. I apologize if, if Gio listens to this, you know. <laughs> but Yeah. I mean, to end on a positive note, I will say that, like, I think the brightest spot of this episode was Chakotay. Which is, I'm sure this is far from the only episode of Voyager of which that's the case, because he's great. But mm-hmm. but yeah, I thought he was really... And he doesn't have too many scenes in this episode, but I felt like he did a really good job of, like... Kind of, he is just sort of this kind of voice of reason and just voice of, like... He is just legitimately concerned about trying to keep his whole crew as safe as possible. And so he's... Yeah. Y- you can tell, like, how much he, like, cares about his people because like when they're monitoring the captain while she's going through these trials like he's he's like always there kind of but not in a like neelix is always being very kind of just like we have to save Kess. like oh no like you're not gonna let Kess die and like and chakotay i feel like is being very measured about it and like asking good questions and like kind of deciding what to do with the information but is like just kind of constantly like weighing this this question of just like is it worth like is it more worth it to let her stay in there and like continue to like is she becoming in more and more danger and like when is the danger too great that we have to pull her out and Mm -hmm. not let her go through it anymore yeah um and he does kind of the same thing when when janeway decides to like go back and take kess and like get zapped by the thing again um where he's just like you know he's respectful about it and he's just like at the end of the day like you're the captain you have to decide but like this does not seem safe to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think obviously they're using him as sort of like the kind of, you know, he is the voice of like logic and science. And then the spirit guide is the voice of faith. And like, which one do you listen to? But, 
but yeah, I think just that character himself and like how Robert Beltran portrays it, he does a really good job of just like, he is just like trying to take care of his crew and do what's best for like everybody's safety and kind of yeah be that kind of voice of reason that I think he does. He does. I don't know what it, what it was about his performance that he just really like, yeah, he's did it very believably to me. He's definitely like watching the show through in order. Like he's definitely like, I think the biggest character find for me in terms of like someone who I was kind of, he didn't immediately jump out to me when I would watch just the random episodes. But like, I think he, he really is giving like a very understated performance in a, in a series with a lot of really, Overst- I don't mean this in a bad way, but just like very, very, you know, yeah, it, it, a lot, of, a lot of big acting going on on Star Trek, and he's kind of giving like this very different style of a performance that I think is really good. Um, I will say too, because I do feel a little bad about about ripping on like the writing too much. Uh, you know, obviously Geo doesn't have anything else we can like link to, but I did just look up Lisa Kling just because I was like, what, what else has she worked on? And as much as I did hate this episode, um, I got to give her credit. Because she wrote 14 episodes of um, Voyager, including some ones I don't like very much, but also she, she wrote like um, she wrote actually she wrote that scientific method episode, the one that we were just talking about with the the testing, like the invisible testing. Oh, nice! But then also she wrote she only wrote one episode of DS9, but it's probably in my top 10 episodes of DS9 overall. So she definitely has some good good credits in there. She wrote she wrote the episode. Um, uh, Hippocratic Oath, which is a, a Bashir episode about him trying to like figure out how to get the Jem'Hadar like unaddicted from from Kitrasel White. So that episode is great. I don't even want to want to spoil it because it's like really 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 good, and hopefully you'll you'll watch it one day. Um, but yeah, so Lisa Clink done some better stuff than this. Uh, not trying to to totally disrespect your body of work, uh, ma'am. Uh, but, and, and also uh, apparently pretty young when she was working on Star Trek stuff. Cause she was only born in 1970. She's only 51 now. So maybe they'll have her back on, uh, on, uh, something in, in, yeah. in, in these, these new shows. Also, she, um, she was in, on Jeopardy in 2007 and, uh, earned almost a hundred thousand dollars. So <laughs> good for you. Nice. Lisa. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, we come out, every other Sunday, um, so you can tune back in in a couple Sundays to listen to us then. We are going to be talking about uh, an episode of Discovery, another another season one episode. We have, we have not, um, we have still not been able to dip into uh, the seasons two or three, even though those are in our number generator now. Um, so we are going to be talking about the episode Into the Forest I Go, which is uh, Discovery season one, episode nine. Uh, so you can come back and listen to us talk about that. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at Contracts. You can uh, email us at outofcontracts at gmail.com. You can visit our website at outofcontracts.podbean.com. Or you can follow us on YouTube at Out of Contracts. Contracts is spelled C-O-N-T-R-E-K-S. You can also listen to the other shows in the Kaleidoscope Media Podcast Network. There is Here's Johnny, which is a horror media podcast. There's That's the Science Works, which is a... Uh, science pop culture podcast and there is wizard studies which is a harry potter podcast so check out any of those shows and until next time we'll we'll see you then thanks thanks everybody bye